Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Jules Hurd to the Italian Wine Podcast. Jules is the Managing Director of Five in a Boat, a brand and communications agency specializing in transformative technologies. Jules works outside of the wine industry, and I think it's going to be super interesting and valuable for us to hear her perspective today coming from outside the industry. I reached out to her after reading an article she wrote for Forbes about generative AI and how it's going to change the future of communications and PR. And there's been so many conversations recently about this topic. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. Welcome to the show, Jules. Thanks for being here. Hey, Juliana. Thank you for inviting me onto the show today. Fantastic. So before we dive into today's topic, Jules, tell us a little bit more about your background and your work at Five in a Boat. Sure thing. Um, So I started in PR about 23 years ago. It actually makes me feel super old now, maybe maybe because I am super old. Um, I originally wanted to be a journalist, decided that wasn't for me when I was at university, switched across to a PR course and then went straight into agency life and basically spent probably the next 18 years or so working either in-house for very big brands such as music streaming service Deezer and HTC, which had a variety of technologies within it. Um, and then also big agencies like Weber Shandwick. And I had a whole host of companies that I worked for that that I would say generally sort of sat in the transformative technology. Um, I guess David and Goliath we were very much the the David space. So it was it was challenger brands. Um, and then about probably about five years ago, I was working at Deezer and I, and I got to the point where I was a VP of communications, global VP of comms. I was reporting into the, uh, the, the board and I realized that actually really there wasn't anywhere else I could go. Um, you sort of hit that ceiling and then it's like, right, what do I do now? Um, so I thought I, I actually had such an eclectic background. I thought it would be helpful to launch my own agency and to help predominantly businesses that sit in the scale-up space. So everything from seed to series D is our, is our sort of comfort zone, although we've done M&As for much bigger clients and various other bits and pieces, actually help them to get to their next phase of growth. And that growth usually involves looking for funding or launching a product or profiling their CEOs or managing some difficult issues. Um, and uh, so, re- so really, we, we started looking at a lot of different brands and because I'd had a fair bit of experience in music music tech was really changing the game in terms of challenging the traditional music ecosystem like labels and publishers and bringing in technologies that were evolving that ecosystem we kicked off there and we started working with a number of different clients uh, had a couple of uh, fairly big wins quite early on so Imogen Heap we started working with 
very early and, and she's obviously a singer-songwriter but has a load of technologies that she's been working with in the music space. We've also done some stuff for Bjorn Olveus of ABBA. We work, we're working with a, with a number of others, but it's sort of expanded beyond that into games, uh, edutech, sex tech. I mean, you name it, we, we do it. But technology nine times out of 10 sits at the heart of everything everything we do. And then just to add a couple of things on the slide. So you probably don't do anything in the beverage alcohol industry, <laughs> correct? Or is there anything you're working with you know, in BevAlp? So randomly, in my previous life, I launched Virgin Wines. So I did some stuff then, but that was a really long time ago. And then we've been working with an energy drink called GoMate, which is focusing on effectively taking the yerba tree and crushing the leaves and using that as a form of energy vis-a-vis caffeine like the Red Bulls and the Monsters use. So we have done some stuff there. But then also, I decided in lockdown to start a cocktail business sort of like a local thing where we go in and we do almost kick off to people's parties. So a couple of hours cocktail making and tasting sessions. And through that launched a gin called Blind Swan, which has just for the second year in a row, well, won the world's best contemporary gin, which is kind of random because I'm not from a spirits background at all. It's weird. And and it really wasn't what I was expecting. It was a, it was a lockdown sort of project and it's gone from strength to strength, really. So we do do a bit in the drinks trade, but it's not really what we do at Five in a Boat. That isn't kind of where our focus is. And then I decided, I think I've had some kind of midlife crisis because I also decided to co-buy an electric vehicles cable company. So I'm now working in the EV space as well. So, and I've got an eight-year-old and a dog. So I think I might've had my brain removed at some point. Well, really fascinating background, Jules. And again, excited to hear a little bit from an outside perspective on this topic, because I think in the wine industry, you know, we're a little slower to change sometimes. So, but we're, you know, need to stay ahead of what's happening and and understand how it's going to affect our business. So today we're going to focus specifically on generative AI and what that means for us in the marketing and communication space and more generally for someone that might own a winery or work for a wine company. So our three key takeaways for today's masterclass are going to be number one, what can generative AI do for your communication strategy? Number two, what is the role between the communicator and AI? And number three, how can businesses use AI to their advantage? So let's start just with some basic definitions. What is generative AI? Define it for us and tell us what it can do. So I think the first thing to say about generative AI is that regardless of what business you operate in, it's going to impact you. And there are there are two routes you can go down. You can either embrace it and use it to your, to your advantage or try and avoid it for as long as possible and end up behind the curve. So looking specifically at what it does, essentially, it's a type of artificial intelligence technology that is able to produce different types of content often using large language models like ChatGBT or DALI. Um, And that content can include anything from text to imagery to audio, but also importantly, synthetic data. And the difference between synthetic data and real data is real data is taken from real world events and synthetic data is artificially manufactured. So it's effectively used as a funnel to generate lots of information and to share that information outwards using, as I said, these language models. Got it. And would you have the same, because you know, some of the conversation that's been coming up is around the copywriting issues around, especially with image usage, but with the synthetic data, would you have any of those copyright issues or no, because the images are synthetic? Well, I think I think the thing to, to be, be wary of with generative AI is that at the moment, whilst it is extremely helpful in terms of 
generating information, doing research, et cetera, et cetera. There is a side to it where it's, I think the term is that it hallucinates. So it actually makes up things that aren't necessarily true. Like, for example, there are colonies on Mars. So because of that, there is always the risk that there's going to be, you know, issues, which is why it's really, really important that it's not seen as a standalone technology that can operate without the help of humans. That's absolutely not the case. It can only really operate effectively if humans form part of that management of the various tools. Right. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing as well. And do you think it's going to become a critical part of an agency or communicator's workflow to master generative AI and get really comfortable with it? Or do you think that communicators can still exist you know, without using it? I think that it's actually less about the communicators and it's more about how businesses decide to use it. So for example, any one of our clients could decide that actually they're not going to hire a PR professional because they're going to use ChatGPT to, for example, write a press release or write an opinion editorial. And that's obviously a huge risk to the communications profession because in many respects, when you're looking at that type of example, it's a direct replacement for the PR pro. So actually, the concern is more about how businesses use it and how communication professionals can ensure that they insert themselves into the conversation and into the usage of generative AI so that they are still a really key part of the process. Honestly, I think any PR person, and actually it's not just restricted to PRs, it's mathematicians, it's data analysts, it's anyone that, you know, where their jobs could potentially be impacted. Anyone that's sat there at the moment thinking this isn't a problem and it isn't going to impact them really needs to look again because the reality is it's going to impact absolutely everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really, really good reminder for all of us and our listeners as well. So let's, you know, on that note, how do we start using generative AI? I'm sure many of our listeners haven't dove into it just yet. So talk to us a little bit about how you one might get started using these new technologies. So first of all, I would say that to your point earlier, there's an awful lot of chat around generative AI and don't necessarily always believe everything you read. And obviously, that's even evident when you use the tools themselves, because as I said, sometimes they don't report correct information. The best way to do it is to not be afraid of it. It can seem really scary, not panic, and actually just have a go. So get onto, onto a tool like ChatGPT or Dali and have a play around. Start putting questions into it. Start putting prompts into it. And then you'll start to understand how it's working and the types of responses you're getting back and how you can use those responses. It might be for argument's sake. So let me use an example that's not relevant to PR, but it's relevant to the cocktail club. I might decide to want to look up a whole list of distributors in the US that might distribute my spirits. That's going to be far quicker than me looking on Google trying to do it myself. So start playing around or, you know, can you give me the list of the top breed of dogs that are good for families? Anything like that doesn't necessarily have to be work related, but that will show you how it starts to perform. Alternatively, if, you know, you want to have a little bit more information before you start mucking around with it, and there are different versions as well. So there are ones that, you know, ChatGPT4 is the latest. Then there's a number of interesting white papers that actually talk you through what it is, how it's going to impact you, what the positives are, what the negatives are, what you need to watch out for, how legislation's impacted, the rules around privacy, ethical considerations, you name it. So either one of those, either taking a direct approach and getting hands-on or having a read of some of the white papers that are actually tick boxes next to them saying this isn't, you know, this is actually what you need to be wary of. And we know that this information has been rubber stamped, so to speak. That's the other route forward. Italian Wine Podcast. 
part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. Yeah, and I think that, you know, your example of using it in your personal life, too, is a good one because it's not, you know, just making it part of your daily routine and habit might make it feel a little less daunting when it comes to utilizing it and integrating it into your workflow. At least that's how I feel about it. You know, sometimes, like you said, just researching some basic information, comparing products for shopping, building out an itinerary for your vacation. I mean, I I can think of so many examples of where it might be helpful. And I think, you know, part of what as communicators, we need to start realizing is that this is a tool that's going to save us time and can help us and let's use it to our advantage, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, um, according to a recent industry survey of U.S. wine communication professionals, 61% of PR professionals are already using this technology. You know, again, how can we think about the role of the communicator, the agency, the publicist, in the context of generative AI? Yeah, I think, I mean, the most important thing, people are, and and it's terrible, but it's true, people are governed by fear. And when there's a lack of understanding about anything, really, I mean, it could be a medical diagnosis or it could be a particular type of technology, your immediate response is to be fearful of it because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. The reality is, is that regardless of of what we think, a PR person's role is 100% going to be impacted positively and negatively, but it's absolutely not going to be eradicated. In fact, an overwhelming 86% of comms professionals globally, according to a report that was done recently by Provoke Media and Sandpipers, see it as an opportunity rather than a threat. So actually, what it's about is about teaching PRs how to use it to their advantage. And as I mentioned earlier, ChatGPT is a great tool for doing research quickly or for carrying out writing tasks. And for a PR person that's often juggling multiple balls, you've got 10 different clients, they've all got different deadlines. This absolutely expedites the time it would normally take a PR to carry out the type of research that actually frees them up to focus on things that are more important and that drive greater business value, like business consultancy or issues management or reputation management. Also, the tools can be used to analyze sentiment about brands, products and services in real time, which is super important when you need to take swift action to mitigate certain trends or to capitalize on positive ones. We've had some examples recently where we had a company that was owned by Russians, which obviously, you know, given the situation with Russia and and Ukraine at the moment, isn't great, who had business assets frozen. And we had to gather that sentiment super quickly so that we could react to it. And it was a real issues crisis management situation. And being able to use generative AI to gather that data in a way that is far quicker than you actually sat there as a PR person, you know, on your own is super beneficial. And I think also um, it's it allows PRs understand, you know, what the most effective comms channels are for their target audience. So often people, and, and this is a great example if you apply it to new business. So there's a lot of PRs that sat in their seats and part of their remit for growing their business is to get new clients on board. And what they'll often do is they'll take a cookie cutter approach and they will copy and paste emails, potentially just change the name of the business and you know, a little bit of reference about that company and, and then send it off to a different company. But effectively, it's the same email. Actually, what generative AI will enable you to do is to do the necessary research in real time, very quickly about the different businesses, which enables you to target and personalize messages 
which in the end will ultimately deliver you better response rates because you will have a better understanding of what those businesses do. So there's huge opportunity. I've been thinking a lot about it too in the context of competitor research, measuring shared voice, thinking about where are your competitors living in the media landscape and being able to pull all that research just a lot more quickly, right? So I think that there's some analytical tools beyond the generative piece of, of maybe helping to write a press release, but there's some analytical reporting tools that I think are going to become part of any communicator's workflow. 100% agree with that, Juliana. I mean, what we're seeing is PR is always a tricky one because actually measuring it is very tricky. And we're seeing our clients more and more because of the current economic climate and coming off the back of COVID want to be able to demonstrate return on investment. And generative AI is absolutely, you know, one of the best tools to be able to, you know, look at results and measure results and look at sentiment and look at tone in a much faster way than a traditional media monitoring agency would be able to do it or we, you know, sat at our desks would be able to do. So it's critical for things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one question I had for you around generative AI, you know, we think about tone of voice when we we know we work with our clients. We want to make sure the press release, the caption, the social media posts all comes from their voice and also is on brand, on message. Do you think that generative AI is going to learn how to create tones of voice for specific brands? Like, will we be able to sort of filter it for XYZ brand has this tone of voice and then use another prompt to get a different tone of voice? I mean, ultimately, yes, it's not there at the moment. But I think what's key, regardless of whether you're using the AI of today or the AI of tomorrow, unless we turn ourselves into a Westworld situation that who knows may happen, um, is that AI tools need to be fed the right information. So you as a PR pro have to be super specific when using these tools so that AI can actually understand you and deliver better results, which might be one day writing a social post for Nike and the next day writing one for Adidas. I mean, I could put in a request that asks me to write a social post for my clients. And then when the suggested posts come back, I could say, oh, well, that's not quite right. Can you make it more fun? Can you make it more authoritative? whatever it might be, and actually then it will respond to your requests and it will enable you to deliver against those different tones. But you need to enter the right prompts. Otherwise, it's just going to go and do its own thing or you're going to spend time and time again writing things and it, and it absolutely not being right. I think also it's really important to note that at the moment, there are some challenges with it in that it doesn't recognize bias. There's also considerations around ethics. So AI needs to be deployed in line with clients and your own business's ethical boundaries. And, and at the moment, and this will 100% change, it can't address emotion. It can't, it can't give you a judgment. So if you had a sensitive work issue, for example, if something HR related and you put a question into this with regards to whatever the issue might be, it wouldn't be able to take a human judgment call. And sometimes you need humans to make those judgments. So it could give you the relevant information, but it couldn't judge what was the right way to go. So we need to bear that in mind as well. And then, as I said earlier, you know, it can misreport facts, which is why humans need to go and check. And it needs continuous updating and training. So it, you need to evolve with the AI tools. Otherwise, it's not going to live on what you want it to deliver. Yeah, when you use the example earlier about your gin and, you know, searching your distributors in the US, you know, I would be so curious to understand in the back end where the information is being pulled from and how accurate it is, right? So I guess, you know, it's worth doing some testing, like you said, and just getting into it, using the tools and playing around and, and seeing how they work to understand how it can, how it can benefit your business and how you can use it. 
here's a good example. So we, we've used it to do some new business research. We're looking at a particular industry and we said, what are the top sort of 25 scale-ups in this space that we could potentially approach? And it played back to us the 25 scale-ups. But when we actually researched further, what it didn't tell us is that a quarter of those scale-ups had been bought by other companies by much bigger companies, which actually is entirely irrelevant to us in terms of what we're trying to do with our business, which is why, as I said, the human element is super important. They can't operate codependently. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really key takeaway for today is just there is still a human element involved in generative AI that's really important. It's about mastering it. So in that vein, how do you think businesses can use generative AI to their advantage? From our perspective, we at the moment are generally using it for research for fact checking but obviously we're double checking those facts afterwards and for just getting us information super quickly when we need to make decisions quite quickly but i do know that other companies and especially companies that would potentially look to consider to hire a freelancer or a small agency and then look at their budgets and think actually how can i cut costs you know what i'll use ChatGPT and i'll get ChatGPT to write a press release for me and that will save me a thousand dollars on a freelancer because obviously it's significantly cheaper so they are using it to draft materials. And that's fair. But ultimately, I don't think it's given them the desired result when we talk about things like bias, ethics, tone, etc, etc. Also, we do an awful lot of reputation management for our clients. And as I said earlier, you know, the example of the company where we needed real time data analysis and insights based on particular situations, that's absolutely imperative that we have that information quickly to make informed decisions when it comes to certain response strategies and stuff like that. I mean, the reality is that AI, the sheer speed that AI tools can sift through data is absolutely bonkers. And it should be completely used for advantage as humans because we just can't work that quickly. However good we are, as I said, I've done this job for 23 years. I consider myself to be fairly at the top of my game. I just can't work as quickly as a generative AI tool. It's as simple as that. What's on the horizon? I mean, things are changing so quickly. And I think that's one of the challenging things for, about this space for a brand owner who might be doing a million other things is how do I keep up? How do I understand what's changing in generative AI and AI, how I should be using it? So what can we expect next? You know, we're seeing now the generation of text, of image, of video, and how it can be used in a marketing plan or how it can be used, like you were saying, for reputation management for research. But what, what's next? What do you think we should be expecting next? I think we have to acknowledge that it is moving extremely quickly and that we as PR professionals and equally other businesses that want to use to their advantage, they need to be at the forefront of how it's advancing, which means playing with it, getting used to it, engaging with it on a constant basis. Soon, we're going to be in a position where we can see content created that is tailored to individuals' preferences, interests, and moods, which is nuts. It takes us on to a whole new level. And then if we look at some of the research that's been conducted, so Gartner, for example, a, a very big global analyst house, has stated that by 2025, a third of outbound marketing messages from large organizations will be synthetically generated, which is what we talked about earlier, which is up from less than 2% last year. So that's you know 28% increase. And then also by 2030, a major blockbuster film is going to be released with 90% of the film generated by AI, so from text to video, which is, again, you look at the moment and think that's just not possible. And then one of the things that I'm personally looking forward to, I was reading an article the other day that said in, I think it was like 12 to 18 months time, AI is going to enable to train me to understand how to talk to my dog. So it will it will monitor how dogs are barking. How, does the dog want food today? 
yes, I do, woof, woof, woof type of thing. So it's moving in lots of different directions. And as I said, we can use it professionally to our advantage, but also for people that want to understand what their dog's saying, there's a lot of animal lovers, that kind of stuff is just crazy. So loads of things are going to happen. Yeah, I think that's going to save people a lot of trips to the vet, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking of my own dog, right? <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty incredible. I've got a puppy and since I've had her, she's been at the vet's twice eating raisins. And the second time I wasn't even sure that she'd eaten the raisins, but I had to pay to get her stomach pumped anyway. So if she could turn around and said, no, mum, I didn't eat the raisins, that would have saved me a lot of money and time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, lots of change ahead and really appreciate you being here to talk us through some of what to expect and some of the trends. So as we wrap up today, we'll do our rapid fire quiz for our masterclass where we'll review our, our key takeaways from today's conversation. So Jules, if you can do your best to answer these questions uh, in one sentence or less, please. So question number one, what, what can generative AI do for your communication strategy? So I think the most important thing is it frees us up to concentrate on other areas that may deliver more business value for clients. Question number two, what is the role between the communicator and AI? So at the moment, the communicator is very much the organ grinder and the AI is the monkey, but because we still need humans to input prompts and requests. But I've got a feeling that this may change as AI evolves. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And finally, number three, how can businesses use AI to their advantage? I mean, I would just say, don't see it as a threat, see it as an opportunity, use it to automate routine operations, which you might find really boring and time consuming, which will ultimately save you that time, that resource and that money. Yeah, I think that's really key. It's going to save us all a lot of time and automate so many things that we're doing manually right now. So uh, it's a huge opportunity. So thank you so much for coming on here today and talking us through some of the trends and what's going on in the space. I really enjoyed our conversation and learned so much. So how can our listeners connect with you and follow you to stay up to date on what's happening in this AI space? Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on here. It's, it's great to chat to you. And it, it's a topic that I feel as you can probably tell, quite passionate about. In terms of keeping up to date with my views and, and various other bits and pieces that might be relevant, I'm on all the social media platforms, both personally, so Jules, you heard on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram. And then my various businesses, Five in a Boat, EV Cables, and Cook and Cocktail Club are on platforms as well, or I'm on LinkedIn. Or if anyone wants to drop me an email, it's jules at fiveinaboat.com. So feel free to do that as well. Fantastic. Lots of ways to, to stay connected. And I can't wait to check out your cocktail club. It sounds so, sounds like a lot of fun. Fantastic. Thanks again, Jules, for being here today on the Italian Wine Podcast. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass US Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.